come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your polter guide, Kinsey. I'm your polter guide, Donna. I'm your polter guide, Adrian. Uh, polter guide Debbie uh, was going to a party, and uh, there was a curfew involved, but she's fine. It's fine. She'll be back, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this week we watched the iconic 1996 film Scream. Ah, ah. All right, so let's go around. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Had you seen it before? All that good stuff. Um. Oh, yeah. How could you not like this movie? I think I had actually only seen this movie once before, and I say that because I had a lot of realizations as I was watching it, like, oh, shit. Oh, wow. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a great movie. Oh, my gosh. Um, yes, I liked this movie. Adrian? I saw it in the theater when it came out, and I remember that this movie was in the theater for so long like almost a year um, because it was doing so well. And uh, yeah, I, I love this movie. I liked it when I watched it then. I liked it even more rewatching it now because, um, you know, kind of the way that you do with a movie that you like, you kind of put it on and you you like, it's on. You're not watching it, but it's on. So this was kind of my first, like pay attention to it and rewatch it in a very, very long time. And this is a well-fucking-crafted movie. Like, I legitimately have really no complaints about this movie and think that more movies should be made like this one. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, like you, Adrian, I saw this in the theater. I, I fucking loved it then. I fucking love it now. It's, uh, yeah, it's well done. It holds up. And that's very impressive for a horror film. <laughs> I mean, it does help that it's Wes Craven. And well, Kevin Williamson, especially Wes Craven. I, um, you know, my partner and I were looking at stuff about it and he found an article that basically talked about how Wes Craven had been considering leaving the horror genre because he felt it was uh, just getting repetitive and way too misogynistic. And this this movie is the one that kind of pulled him back. And I was like, okay, first off, fuck yeah, Wes Craven, like A plus. And then secondly, God, this is such a good movie to like combat that. That female cast for the 90s is insane. Like you've got fucking Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Rose fucking McGowan. Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Um, like, dude, fuck yeah. Agreed. Real quick, so those of you who don't know what Scream is about, one, I don't know you, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, our good, good buddies at IMDb want you to know. I don't that, have anything clever. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's just a damn good movie. Yeah, there you go. That's all. That should be the summer right there. Damn good movie. A uh, year after the murder of her mother, a teenage girl is terrorized by a new killer who targets the girl and her friends by using horror films as part of a deadly game. Okay, so I'm going to immediately take some issue with that, and we're going into spoiler territory right now, so if you if you don't want to back out, I don't enjoy summaries that lie to the consumer. Yeah, you can play coy, but don't lie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because, like, it's, it's not a new killer, motherfuckers. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. No, it's not a new killer. You can't even use, like, Rand, or not Randy Stewart as, like, yeah, it's just not a new killer. Fuck no, you. It's not. So you brought up the cast, and I think we should definitely talk about the cast, especially the women, because you had Courtney Cox at the peak of her friends. And she apparently had to campaign really hard for this role because she really, really wanted to play a bitch because to get away from her, whatever the fuck character she was in Friends. I've literally never seen Friends, but she wanted to get away from that. Monica kind of was a bitch they didn't want to let her have the part because they they were they said they only saw her as like a nice girl role 
And she had to work really hard to get that. Interesting. And it's really funny because so many people like see Courtney Cox and they're like, oh, Monica. And I'm like, oh, Gail Weathers. That's interesting. Um, Go on, go on. Sorry, okay. I was. I, I just okay. wanted to interject. No, no, no. That was a good interjection. No, uh, Drew Barrymore, who was just starting her big comeback and becoming the Drew Barrymore that we know now. Like, and my she, inter, yeah, my interjection for this is she was supposed to play Sydney. Really? Mm-hmm. She read the script and she really, really wanted to do it, and so she actually approached them for a role. And that since she was starting her comeback, they were they gave her Sydney, and then because of prior commitments when filming started she couldn't do it so that's why she ended up playing casey Uh, that's one of the things i love so much about this fucking movie is the misdirect because mm -hmm. you know her you know who drew barrymore is she was on all the advertisements like and some of that may have been like you said because of she was sydney briefly uh but i love i love that misdirect that it's so good like it's such like it it may have been an accident but i think that it made the movie so much better because then you go into it and you're immediately like anybody can die (laughs) yeah they killed drew barrymore what nobody is safe yeah that whole opening though is so powerful on so many levels both as it builds you know it it builds and it builds and it builds but the moment that kills me, just gut-wrenching, is when mom picks up the phone to call and she can still hear Casey dying. There's the moment when Casey calls out for her parents and her parents are just chit-chatting away as they go in the house and they can't hear her because she's, you know, she's dying. So that's a moment that Casey maybe could have been saved, but then when the mom gets on the phone and she can hear Casey. Well, and it's even more scary because not only can the mom hear her, she literally can't call for help. Yeah. Because the fucking landlines. <laughs> so that's uh, that's just that's just so chilling to be able to hear and not be able to do anything. It's just mm-hmm. oh my gosh. And if you've got a kid I mean, I can't imagine anybody finds that not scary, but if you've actually got a kid, oof, oof. Yeah, that was that scene when Billy and I were watching this. That was what one of the things I had we were talking about. I said, that's what kills me so much with that scene is there are so many times you think she's safe. Like you see how close her parents are, how just every like to me, that just makes that scene just. 10 times heartbreaking just because she's so close yeah the mpaa kept wanting to give this movie an nc-17 and one of their reasons was that the opening scene was too intense and Wes craven lied to them and told them he only had one take of it so he couldn't change anything (laughs) um but they wouldn't give him anything specific they weren't like tone down the blood here or well there was a specific thing they there were (laughs) They did not like how gory the movie was. And so there were a lot of shots of blood or in entrails in motion that they said had to be taken out. So like, I think that there was a shot of uh, Steve's entrails becoming out trails that they said couldn't be there anymore. (laughs) And, uh, but other than that, they wouldn't, they were like, there's no one scene here that you can change. It's just too intense. And Wes Craven was like, the fuck do I do with that? It's like, what am I supposed to do? And Bob Weinstein ended up having to like call the MPA and like, fuck the Weinsteins, but whatever. We we like, I don't know how to deal with group projects that are ultimately really good in some ways. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's complicated. I think that's the, the easiest way to sum it up. Yeah. But Bob Weinstein ended up calling the MPAA and basically gaslighting them into giving the movie an R rating because he was like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's a comedy. I mean, first of all, fuck the MPAA because they are they hate horror films anyway. So they'll give that generic of it's too intense. So, yeah. Secondly, fuck Bob Weinstein. But I guess you also have to be kind of a dickbag to. 
well, gaslight an entire organization into letting your movie happen. Well, both of them were very notorious for getting things through that shouldn't have gotten through with the MPAA and always all their films got all the Oscar nominations, like Oscar bait stuff. So no, fuck them. Fuck them both. Um, I didn't finish up. Sorry, I'm jumping back here. But I like also Nev Campbell is coming from Party of Five. And also The Craft. Oh, yeah. The Craft, too. Thank you. But still, supporting character on Party of Five, also supporting character on The Craft. Like, not real, you know, she wasn't Feruza Balk or the main girl. I can't Robin Tooney. Thank you. And then this is the first thing I saw Rose McGowan in. I think I saw her in the Doom Generation and Nowhere first. Okay. But I'm not totally sure of that. Yeah. I've slept many, many times <laughs> since the late 90s. We all have. It's fine. But yeah, A plus on the, the women's cast. I want to make a quick caveat because some of the women in this movie, <clears throat> Rose McGowan, seem to have lost their mind recently. So like A plus for the 90s casting yeah would you like to expound on that okay so for starters rose mcgowan um has sided with Nicki minaj oh on being kind of anti-vax oh no um so that's problematic um also like i know that rose mcgowan has been through a lot and uh things happen but uh here's her post what she said about it. Um, Nicki Minaj and all who see what is happening, both of us know the powerful and elite, and it's likely you do not. If you're freaking out because she said something you don't believe, it's most likely because you are scared to examine the thought too closely. Millionaires have become billionaires. Billionaires are now trillionaires. Think, question, just because you want to believe what your cult leaders say doesn't make it fact. And so, I don't know, she's just, um, she's got that speech pattern that's concerning. That makes me just to just weigh, get off. I'm done. I'm, I'm done with anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Done. I'm 100% done with anti-vaxxers. I want to leave my fucking house. I want to give my kids something resembling a normal life. So get, I don't, I don't care what your reasons are. Fuck you. Unless the vaccine will literally kill you. You've got a good excuse then you hear about these moments that people share. And I got to have one in class the other day where I had a moment where I talked about how the vaccine works. And one of my students asked me, well, why is the vaccine free and chemotherapy costs thousands of dollars? And I was like, well, my, my mom had chemotherapy and chemotherapy costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's because our healthcare system is broken and the vaccine is not free. The government is paying for the vaccine. It is nothing is free. And um, our healthcare system is broken. And that's why And it was a, it was a nice moment. Um, and we're way off topic, but you can't hear me flipping off. Yeah. Get the vaccine unless it will kill you. And the people that the vaccine will kill is why the rest of us need to get it. Yeah, they, we, we need to get the vaccine for them. I've been um, vaxxed. We've all been vaxxed, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. As, and as soon as I can get a booster, I'm getting a fucking booster. Uh, side note and shout out. Uh, thank you, Tribes of Oklahoma, for uh, making sure Oklahoma was able to get the vax because that's how my household got vaxxed uh, fairly quickly. So, yeah. I'm just going to shout out to the the tribes. Thank you to the tribes. Same. Because it wouldn't be because of our fucking governor. Yeah. Nope. And that clusterfuck of a portal for the vaccine. So anyway, back to this movie. Yeah. Well, and Nev Campbell. Yeah, she was in Party of Five and she was in the craft. And I think this was her first leading role, which I believe is why she took it. And I think she's been in every Scream movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, she has. Poor Sydney. I would almost say because she has been in all the screams, she's very, I would call her the modern day Jamie Lee Curtis and how she feels about this franchise. I I don't actually know how she feels about this franchise, but I mean, she's been good in all of them. Yeah. But my thing is, would she keep doing them? You know what I mean? Like even after, 
I get doing them while Wes was still alive and attached to them, but even after his passing. Is she going to do the next one? I think she is in the next one. So I guess she would keep doing them. Yeah. Also, um, fucking Matthew Lillard is in, I think, three of them. Isn't he dead? Yeah, but he's uncredited as an extra in three and four. Oh, okay. 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 That's awesome. So I have a very interesting little story side note to do with this film. And I'm going to ask you guys, imagine going to see this film when it came out, but having no real context of what it was referencing. Like having never seen any of the Halloweens, any of the the tropes, any of the slasher films. Man, that's hard. I Okay, so I actually feel like it would still be pretty good, even with that setup. Because on my rewatch, I realized, like, this is just a really well put together movie, right? Like, it never lies to you. And in fact, it's really showing its hand. Like, in that opening scene, the killer is in places that he cannot be if there's only one. You know, when he asks Casey, which door am I at? She, you have two doors to your house. Which one am I at? She was never going to get it right. She was always going to be wrong because the answer is both. And even then, like, I think Stuart. Um, so on the phone, I think he said something to her, like, I'm going to rip your guts out. And then the next day at school, when the group is all together and they're talking, Stuart says they ripped her guts out. Like, like this movie is a mystery. It's a whodunit. It's a gory whodunit, but it's still a whodunit. And, uh, and I think that even if you don't know what this is referencing, um, to a certain extent, that's what Randy's there to do, to get you up to speed. He's the Greek chorus. Yeah, exactly. He's the Greek chorus. And then you have this whole cool, like, really well put together mystery to to follow along with so even if you don't have the knowledge to know what's happening in this movie i think you can still enjoy it um this movie does a lot of uh meta stuff which is like um imagine salt bay sprinkling on a nice little susan of seasoning i think it adds to the enjoyment but i don't think it's necessary to the enjoyment i think you could miss a lot of the references and still have a solid movie which i think is actually exactly what adrian just said so the reason that i'm saying this and posing that question is because that's how billy saw it he had never seen any of the stuff that they're talking about when he saw scream oh and you know so yes both of you are right he loved it it's still one of his favorites in fact as he uh as he put it he goes i came for drew barrymore but i stayed for rose mcgowan and still had a good time so, <laughs> so yeah, um, he had never seen any of any of the films there. They're referencing the context, but still had a good time. And it it blows my mind, like as because we were that's what we were talking about as we were watching it Friday night. And I just I I I had such a hard time wrapping my head around that. This genre is you know is in my bones and something I grew up with. So I knew these things. So to hear that, I'm just like it just yeah. I was like that's wild. So watching this movie last night, I kind of found myself wondering how I was ever fooled because I was on my first watching. I was completely fooled. I had no idea what was going on. And I was shocked at the reveal um, because, I, you know, they're constantly giving each other little smirks. I ship them, honestly. <laughs> like the subtext there is strong. It is. Uh, yeah. And at the end, when uh, Stu is just right up behind Billy, there's, yes, you know, there's there's several times Billy has given Stu like, hey, that's too much. But yeah, there's uh, like Adrian said, you know, which door am I at? You know, and then he throws a chair through the patio, but he's at, you know, there's there's like there's just several points where the only possible answer is that there's two of them. Um, Well, that's not true because we're talking about Wes Craven and a horror movie. So the other possible answer is it's something supernatural. Fair. Like this is a slasher movie. And at this point, I can't really think of a lot of big slasher movies that are 
a completely mundane slasher. Okay, fair. I th- I think there are, but I don't think they're well known. They're like, I mean, okay, so you sleep away camp. Yeah. Technically, you can, with the first one, you could say Leatherface is. But there's more than one of them. True, but he's the only one you really see doing it. Like, I'm saying, I'm saying in the first, no, I'm saying the very first one. The very, yeah, the, the very yeah. first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Yeah, it's just him. It's not, I mean, he's got his family there, but I don't think their grandpa's just dead. But I don't think the hitchhiker's helping. I think it's just Leatherface. But anyway. Um, it's kind of assumed that the whole family was sort of helping. It's been a beat since I've seen. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, but I think there's some like, I think there's some slasher films. I just don't know them, but they're the ones that got the bat that made slashers get the bad reputation that were just being gratuitous to be gratuitous, like pieces, mutilator, though, you know, like that in that wheelhouse. But in as much as there are a like triple A titles in horror films i don't think any slash many of them had mundane killers yeah at least at the time i mean now well now you've got like behind the mask and as much as i love that movie i don't know if it would be considered a triple a title because it was an indie film right yeah yeah it was indie yeah but with the mundane killers, that is something I do like about this film, that both of them get beat the hell up as Ghostface. Versus like, it's a slapstick. Yeah. Like, they get just beat the hell up. Like, I like that weakness, if you want to call it that, with them. I think that is that adds to the uniqueness of this film. Something else that I really noticed on this viewing was when we first meet Billy. I mean, every signal you're getting is that he's bad news. I mean, the first thing that happens is he tries to come into Sydney's room and she tells him, no, 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 she won't let him in her, in her room. And he comes in anyway. She tells him he has to leave because her father's at the door and he doesn't leave. He comes in anyway and hides. And when they're making out, I don't know how I didn't notice this because Don't Fear the Reaper is high on my list of don't of favorite songs, but that's Don't Fear the Reaper mm-hmm. that's playing. Um, so they're telling us, they're telling us right there that he's the killer right there. Don't Fear the Reaper. I wrote down Fear the Reaper for fuck's sake. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, you know, they're telling us at first glance that Billy is bad news. He is not respecting her boundaries in the slightest. And then they're playing a song telling us, don't fear the Reaper, except do fear the Reaper because he's bad. So um, also, good God, he's pretty. That is a pretty, pretty boy. He's so pretty. At the end, when he's kind of putting that knife in his mouth. Yeah, there's an article that I read that I'm looking for right now that was talking about the um, importance of the pretty bad boyfriends like Skeet Ulrich played and how essentially like Skeet Ulrich in the late 90s taught this girl how to better understand boundaries and consents and what to run away from no matter how fucking pretty he is. Yeah, because he's very pretty. He is very, very pretty. I like that he had a... A role that he did very well because he was a shitbag in the craft yeah <laughs> i mean could he really play a, i mean with that face and that hair and that body is he really capable of playing a good guy didn't he play somebody's dad recently he was in riverdale as jughead's father and he, That's right. he manages a bad boy turned good he manages that okay but even then, he's still got the bad boy part. Good for him. In looking for this article, I actually refound an article written by our friend Ryan C. Bradley that he wrote for Wicked Horror last year, the Bad Boyfriends of Horror, where he basically just did a, a bracket of bad horror movie boyfriends that included Billy Loomis. I remember not being happy with the outcome of that bracket i don't remember the outcome i voted in it several times i was not happy with the outcome i just love with this film some of the names 
because they are referencing other horror films. And when you said Billy Loomis, Loomis, mm-hmm. like that's Black Christmas, that's Halloween, that is like peanut butter and chocolate. It's like, oh yeah. So when you said that, that just made me think of another thing that I really like about this film. I hadn't caught that. They're also they do a really good job with all the different red herrings in this, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, I don't know. I can't find it. If I ever find it, I'll share it on Twitter. Okay, great. Speaking of red herrings, I really enjoyed the about 30 seconds that I think we were supposed to suspect Henry Weekler. About 30 seconds before we were like, oh, nope, you're in danger, Henry Winkler. Um, he, his death, first off, he was in that movie uncredited because by um, some Hollywood rules that I don't understand, he would have had to have had top billing because mm-hmm. he's basically got tenure or whatever. And so he went uncredited so as to not take attention away from the younger cast members. Mm-hmm. And I just like a plus. <laughs> um, He's a good guy. But also his death was not in the original script. But I don't know. One of the one of the uppers in the production was like, there's 30 pages and 30 minutes with no death. We need to fix that. And so that's why his death was added. And then that actually ended up solving a problem later in the movie because the person who wrote it, Kevin Williamson. Yes. He, um, he didn't know how he was going to get all of the kids out of the house at the end. Oh. And so then whenever they added in the principal death, he was like, ah, oh, this is great. Wonderful. They can all leave the house to celebrate the, pre- the principal dying, mm-hmm. which is a shitty thing that kids would do. Yeah. Oh, he's so sweet. Except he touched Sydney. I didn't love that. When she was in the office to talk to the cops, he grabbed her chin, and I didn't love that. Um, you know, I have a friend who met Henry Winkler at, at a Comic-Con or something, and she said that he was so great and he was so nice, and she realized later how free and open he was with the touching, and she hopes that it's just an affectionate old man thing. hmm Yeah. I, I think... I think sometimes you get these older guys that just came up through a different era and, and just kind of don't realize and, and they're not being creepy. They just don't know better. And you hope that's true. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that this is exactly the article that I found. I'm pretty sure this isn't the one that I found because the one that I read was actually about the whole, like all of the characters that Skeet Ulrich played. But uh, I found one on Sci-Fi Wire called Screams Billy Loomis and the Horror of Male Power, Violence, and Sexuality. And it's pretty interesting, so I'll probably share it. Okay. Yeah, definitely share it. Um, yeah, this, this movie has so many red herrings. It's also got the red herring about Sydney's dad. And it was funny because I didn't even remember that one. I think it's been a long time since I watched this movie. And so whenever they went off on the stuff about Sydney's dad, I was like, what? <laughs> um, but... Uh, Gosh, it just, um, David Arquette was originally supposed to read for Billy Loomis and he had to ask to read for Dewey and they wanted like the way that Dewey was in the original script was a lot more like a stereotypical, like meathead cop. And, uh, and so I just, I think about all of the little accidental things, not just accidental, like it wasn't accidental that David Arquette read Dewey the way that he did. But like all the things that could have been different. And this feels like such a perfect storm of tiny pieces falling into place to make this movie so good. Like this really shows how a group project can go right. A lot of good happy accidents. Yeah. Because I can't imagine Arquette as Billy. No. (laughs) <laughs> and I think that is just because the character of Dewey is so ingrained in my head when it comes to him that I forget. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, you're not Dewey in real life. Sorry. My my mistake. My mistake. He plays Dewey so well. like, And I think that it's such a good choice for this movie, too, because on the one hand, you've got Skeet Ulrich as this just like paragon of toxic masculinity versus Dewey, who is just the most adorable sweet guy like i know that donna wanted to talk about this quote so here's your moment when he's flirting with kale weathers and she says my target demographic is men 18 to 24 i just missed you 
And he turns around and says, I was 24 for a whole year. Like that is the best line. And it's so sweet. Like, like dudes, this is how you flirt without being creepy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's such a sweet and it's weirdly confident because Dewey is not a confident guy. Mm -mm. It's, It's a wonderful line. It's sweet. And it says, yeah, I did like you, or I do like you. I'm not sure which it says, but uh, it's a great line. And it just kind of, you know, it wasn't even directed at me, and it kind of made my heart go, ooh. (laughs) It's a good line. I like it very much. It is a good line. Be more like Dewey. We like Dewey. We all like Dewey. It's good stuff. And I, I also like how that character is sort of like nervous and undermined through the whole movie but he's also actually pretty competent when it comes down to it mm-hmm. yeah exactly he is and the, the people around him keep keep putting him down and not being confident in him um but when given the opportunity he, he shows that he could do his job mm-hmm. he could do his job and um as much as anybody can be expected to do their job in this situation yeah it's a pretty fucked up situation He does the best that he can. Yeah. I will tell you, when I saw this man, when I thought Dewey was killed, like, that hurt. Like, that that, that hurt hard. Like, my heart was, like, was broken. I was like, not Dewey. Like, fuck you, movie. (laughs) Yeah, same. That's one of the things that I like. Like, I'm always really torn because on the one hand, I want to care about the characters. (laughs) On the other hand... (laughs) It makes it real fucking hard. Like every now and then I'm watching a movie and I'm like, nope. Yep. This is why, this is why some of these movies have shitty characters that I hate. One thing that I was struck on this viewing of the movie, I don't think it occurred to me that all the kids in this movie are super, super rich or probably their parents are, but (laughs) these are some rich, rich families. Like Sydney's house is enormous and she's got like this big, outdoor staircase which by the way super unsafe can like let a serial killer just walk right into your bedroom window um but like these huge giant houses um by the way was that window that sydney fell out of was that essentially laurie strode's window i think so yeah i just that just i just realized that but yeah these were some pretty rich kids with some pretty big houses then i don't think that ever really occurred to me i think at some point in my life i thought a lot of middle class families just had big giant houses with giant decks on the outside um i don't think uh and i her name is escaping me and I, her character's name escaped me i don't think rose mcgowan and dewey were rich like there's certain tatum tatum thank you um, with how their house looked and how her room was decorated compared to Sydney's and Stu's fair and, and, and how Casey's house looked. I don't, I think they were middle-class. Just a quick, before I turn the page, that moment when Henry Winkler goes walking through the high school and sees the janitor and says, <laughs> Oh, hi, Fred. That's just delightful. Good for you, Wes Craven, that little flash it was not too much. It was just enough. A good tip of the hat. Torrid has that red and green sweater for sale, which I would own, except it's distressed. And Torrid, I have bought your distressed sweaters before, and they immediately fray. And I have six foot long streamers falling off of it. And I'm not being fooled by that again. No, no. And I keep low key debating on getting that sweater. So. <laughs> If I were ever to buy one of their distressed sweaters again, I would immediately put a patch on it so there's not those loose strings on it because nah, nah, nah. I found it. The banality of Skeevil. Skeevil? <laughs> That's awesome. It's by Jude Ellison S. Doyle and it's on medium.com. I will link it and this other one that I found on Twitter. Um, send them... Send, send, put them in Discord and maybe Billy can put them in show notes. Who has or had a garage fridge? I didn't know garage fridges were a thing until well into my 20s. And some friends that we have had a garage fridge. I was not middle class 
I wasn't upper middle class. I wasn't lower middle class. Uh, I, uh, I grew up in trailer parks and apartment buildings, so there was no garage fridge. Mm. Mm. I have a garage fridge right now. I mean, that is part of the plan for current me now is for us to get one. But uh, yeah, I did not know that was a thing when I saw this. Yeah. Garage fridge has drinks in it, has some overflow meat in it. No beer. There's no beer in the garage fridge. But I was just curious. So I'm the only garage fridge owner, huh? At the moment. At the moment. I wanted to... Can we talk about Matthew Lillard? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, my God. So, like, man, I had a big thing. You know what? By, by past tense this. I fucking love Matthew Lillard. I love him so much. He is a fucking delight in absolutely everything he's in. He steals scenes from everybody. It is so hard to not pay attention to him. He was not even going to audition for this movie. He followed, he was um, accompanying his girlfriend at the time while she went to an audition. And I think the casting director for Scream just saw him in the hallway and like asked him to audition. That's awesome. Dude, he's so perfect in this role. It's so good. Um, I cannot, like, the chemistry between him and Skeet Ulrich, the chemistry between them is so good. Like, I don't know how you manage to get this, like, okay, I'm about to say something that's possibly really triggery. I'm going I'm to compare these two to school shooters for a second. But, like, this movie really got that school shooter dichotomy so well because you've got, like, Billy as the ringleader who's got his motive and he's fucking scary. And then you've got Stuart as the follower who doesn't really have a reason to be here. He just is. And, like, the way that the two of them play off of each other is so great. Like, there's, like, this weird affection but they don't even fucking like each other. Like that ending scene is so like when they're, when they're hurting each other at the end, it's so good. I don't know, man. I just like the two of them together are amazing in this movie. They are. They really Um, are. And like, like uh, Donna said earlier, they've got these little smirks and looks that they share with each other throughout. And, uh, and, you know, I think that when I originally watched this, I was just like, are they gay? They're gay. (laughs) <laughs> they're totally cheating on on their girlfriends with each other and then whenever i found out that they were the killers i was like oh i mean i guess they're still definitely gay right <laughs> um oh god they're just uh i just love matthew lillard he goes like he's like nicholas cage he just goes all the fuck in in every role and i love it yeah he's got that rubbery face and like you say yeah he just he just dials it up to 10 and when he starts but he starts going, I think I'm actually dying, man. Um, yeah, he's great. It's so good. Whenever whenever Billy throws the phone at him and he like yells at him, you hit me with the fucking phone. That's that's real. I, Billy that, actually did accidentally hit him with the phone. I felt like that that felt like an ad lib line. Yeah. He's got a couple ad lib lines in that scene, because I think the uh are you going to tell my mom and dad they're going to be so mad? I think that's an ad lib line as well. I think it's so good. It reminded me of the Lost Boys <laughs> when when Corey Haim is like, "You're a vampire, Michael. You just wait till I tell mom about this." <laughs> and then, man, Skeet had just that the the last couple of scenes besides hitting him, hitting Lillard with the phone. The when Sydney stabs him with the umbrella, like he really got stabbed, like the prop didn't work. And oh, so well, it hit him over his like he'd recently had open heart sur- or like some oh. sort of heart surgery and it hit him. It missed his protective vest and hit right over that. Oh, no. So like the shot that we see is his actual genuine pain. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, oh. Oh, no. You all right? No. I mean, he didn't die. 
probably. Oh, God. He's been in movies since, so I assume he didn't die. Yeah. Suppose you can never really know. Oh, sorry. That's Sergeant Donna reacting. Okay. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 You're right. He lived. Skeetle Rick Surgeon, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that happened. <sighs> okay. Um, also, why when you're looking for your escaped victim, do you destroy a couch? I don't. I don't. She probably was not hiding in the couch. I'm pretty sure she was not at the couch. Well, I mean, first off, we need to remember that he's fucking lost his shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, people don't kill other people. Um, but also, I think at that point, he thought she was gone and he was just mad. Fair. And also, Billy strikes me as one that he's got this planned out and everything up until that point is going to plan. And then when it stops, he doesn't know how to uh, deal and process that. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I do. I understand that. I'm just thinking, now this isn't our rule. You know, we have our rule at the end of this. I'm just thinking when you've got your plan, you just might want to make sure your victim is incapacitated before you start giving yourselves incapacitating wounds. Well, they they did the classic villain trope of monologuing. Yeah, they monologued. Yeah. I think that's the way that they, like, I think that's the way they wanted to do it. I mean, they were, Billy was even going so far as like, okay, so like he's pressuring her for sex, right? But we kept being told over and over and over again, as long as she's a virgin, she can't die. So like, even like they're trying to follow the horror movie script here. Billy has to fuck Sydney so that she's not a virgin. They have to monologue at the end. True. Mm-hmm. Um, so the killer was sort of inspired by the Gainesville Ripper. Is that a real thing? Uh-huh. It's a real serial killer. He killed eight people from 1989 to 1990. And uh, mostly students... And he, um, it took me a while to figure out why they, like, because I read, or my, my partner read that uh, it was based on him, and we couldn't find anything that, like, actually seemed to be the case other than, like, he killed students. But he apparently had a whole thing about how this would be a movie. Wow. Oh, wow. That's scary. Yeah. A quote that somebody said about him. Um, was he's got a problem and the response was uh, what kind of problem and this woman said he likes to stick knives into people (laughs) yeah i mean yeah that's a problem yeah um so anyway i'm sort of torn on that because on the one hand it's like uh well that's fucked up (laughs) um on the other hand scream is a really good movie and on the third hand in this person with more than two hands is that like should anybody be making a movie the way that this guy wanted them to (sighs) i know when it comes to true crime stories that's always the problem is that do you want to glorify this person and that what they did which is horrific yeah and i mean like i don't know he like his stuff obviously inspired it and like real life inspires art all the time um Gosh, everybody in this movie is so good. They are. And Billy is just, I mean, Skeet, yes. Skeet is good. Billy is just masterful. I mean, every step of every moment, like coming into Sydney's room and dropping that phone and then making that phone call and then arranging to get stabbed in front of Sydney and then limping down the stairs in front of her and then... You know, at that point, of course she trusts him. Why wouldn't she trust him? He's obviously, he has got all the proof in the world. He's not the killer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Billy is a mastermind. I'm really impressed. And then he just, you know, should have tied her up or something. I don't know. It all would have worked if he just would have incapacitated her in some way. I don't think he was expecting her to fight. I think that's some of it too. Yeah. I also really like the way that this movie uh, convinces you, not convinces you, but like 
these characters make stupid decisions, right? Like fucking Tatum in the garage. If Tatum had just done literally anything other than what the fuck she did, she'd be fine. You know, um, she had so many opportunities to leave. But at the same time, the movie also spent so much time showing us none of these people taking it seriously and teenagers fucking around, dressing up like the killer and stuff. So like, while it's really easy to be like, oh, she's an idiot. It's also like she had no real reason to believe she was in actual danger. I spent not a huge amount of time, a little amount of time researching that death. Um, And it's super implausible. It is really implausible that anyone would die that way in a garage door because um, a garage door motor needs to be able to lift the garage door. There's absolutely no reason you would make a garage door opener that would lift I don't know what Rose McGowan weighed at that time. Probably in the neighborhood of 110 pounds. I don't know. I was going to say about 10, so that's a good. Yeah. Um, probably Small, not. Not much. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> a, a little. Uh, but there's there's absolutely no reason that a garage door opener would be able to lift 100 pounds more than the garage door itself weighs. Um, one thing I read said that, you know, if you did some adjustments on the garage door that you could make it do that. And I'm like, man, I mean, why, 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 why motors are expensive. There's just, there's just no reason that that garage door opener would need to be able to exert that much more force than needs to. So, okay. But you just said that you could make adjustments to the motor to make it do that. Mm -hmm. And this party is happening at Stu's house Mm -hmm. and they're trying to make a horror movie in real life. Yeah. So they made those adjustments. Yeah. All right. Fair. They did the research. Fair. At the library. <laughs> Fair. There was some talk about some springs. Okay. So it's got to do more than pick her up. It's then got to exert enough force to break not her neck, but her back because she had a shoulder and an arm out. But the same argument holds true. It's it, they, they would have done the, uh, the adjustment to, to make it exert that much more force. Yeah. Um, One of the other things that I think that I love about this movie is this movie doesn't lie to you. And I I know we mentioned that before, but like this movie spends a lot of time showing you what you need to see in a way that I think a lot of modern movies don't do anymore. Like when Tatum goes into the garage, we get a full pullout shot of the garage so we can see how big it is. We can see where everything is so that we know how far she needs to run to get to the garage door. Um, you know, when everybody, when all, when all the kids leave Stu's house, the camera pulls out and we see the house. We see where everybody is. We see the layout. We see the windows. We see the entrances um, so that we see how empty it is and who's gone and where they can come in from. And I think that that's uh, it's such a good touch because then the movie's just telling you over and over again, look, there's more than one. Another thing with this film that it does well, especially during that last bit when Gail plants the camera and you know there's a 30 second delay. Oh, it's so good. Like, oh man, like that is like, you just, you feel that ticking time bomb. Anytime they're looking at that, that feed and you're like, oh shit, you know, just, oh yeah. Well, and the way that they play with it. So you don't know what happened to Randy for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love when Kenny gets out and he has that and he's like, we got to go help this kid. And then he has that moment of realization where it's like, oh shit, wait. And uh, oh man, just like this movie is like a masterclass of Chekhov's gun. Nothing, nothing goes unused or forgotten. I'm sure that people are going to point things out to me now. That's fine. <laughs> but like, ah, it, the, the writing and direction and everything on this movie is so tight and good. Agreed. And I forgot that that last sequence from the party on is a full hour. Like mm-hmm. it's, it is a long sequence, but it doesn't feel that way. Like, because you're going beat by beat by beat. So. Yeah. Why do you think nobody untied dad? There's a lot going on and he's got tape. It's not just untying, right? Like he was taped. Yeah. 
So in order to get him loose, you're going to have to get a knife. You're going to have to sit there and you're going to have to commit some time to untying him. I think it was just, let's get him out of sight, out of mind, get him to safety. Mm -hmm. And, and she's probably telling him, I'm going to get you taken care of. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to come back and you, you know, it is just them. So, you know, he trusts her. Like, Mm -hmm. you got to trust me here. And yeah, I think that's, it's just there. Like Adrian said, there wasn't time at that moment. Oh, another fun fact. Scream was originally titled Scary Movie. Yep. That is why you hear them say Scary Movie so many times Mm -hmm. in the movie. And I don't love that, but I like to imagine a world in which it kept that title, which meant that the movie Scary Movie never happened. And that seems like a good world to live in. Mm -hmm. Because fuck Scary Movie. Fuck scary fuck movie. Scary movie. Fuck scary movie and all the fucking movies that it spawned. It's just lazy. It's it's so lazy. It's lazy. Like I mean, I I I have no problem with like slapstick comedy, like that, like airplane. I fucking love airplane. I will if airplane's on. I'm watching airplane. It is. It knows exactly what it is, but it's done very smart and it's not lazy. Mm-hmm. Scary movie is lazy. I used to think that I didn't like comedies because I just didn't like any of the ones I saw. But then I was like, no, I'm watching these other comedies and I'm laughing my ass off. Like, this is just bad. Like I even for a long time said I didn't like horror comedies, but then I'm like, well, that's not true either because some of my favorite horror movies are fucking horror comedies. So um, yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not good there. Like I know what it is actually. Well, aside from it being lazy and not good is that there's no love in it. Mm-hmm. it's just making fun of mean it, yeah, yeah it, it's mean. just mean so that's why we're never doing that movie guys do we have anything else on this film before we head to rule poll and quote just like man if you like just watch this movie if you haven't for some reason um i don't even feel like if you have somehow not seen this movie and you listen to this whole podcast and you're like oh there's no point now i'm spoiled um mm. Just go watch it and see how good it is, how well they pulled it off. If you like horror movies, I don't know how you haven't seen it. I would legitimately like to know if you're a horror movie fan, how you you got to this point in the world without seeing Scream. I'm not teasing you. I'm not making fun of you. I just really want to know. Or, you know, I want to know if you have seen this, but you haven't seen other the horror films that it's referencing. Because as I've said, that kind of blows my mind and I'm intrigued by it. Yeah, yeah. It's just so good. This is such a solid fucking movie. There's a reason that it was in the theater for so long. And there's a reason that it's got another fucking sequel coming out in January. Like, Oh, yeah. And there's a reason there was a fucking TV show. There's a TV show? Yeah, it was on MTV. There was like a slew of like slasher, of, of like teenage slasher film mm-hmm. TV shows for a little bit. And the only ones I really remember are Scream and Dead of Summer. And like... I actually really liked both of them, but I think it's just really hard to maintain that sort of pacing, the pacing of a slasher movie through a TV show, because, you know, you always have your favorite characters. And if your favorite characters die off, then you've got the entire rest of the fucking season to get through without your favorite character. If there's a character you don't like, because there's always a character you don't like in a slasher movie, you've got the entire rest of the fucking season (laughs) to have to put up with them. And I did, I ultimately did not finish watching either TV show. And it bums me out because I really liked what both of them were doing. It's just, I don't know, man, I could not stay emotionally invested in this genre for a TV show. Okay. All right. Adrian, you have our rule. The rule is if your boyfriend pressures you into fucking anything that you don't want to do, break up with him. Amen. Yep. Even Miles agreed. Sistren and brethren. Amen. Normally, we have a rule for how to survive the movie, and Sydney did survive the movie. Um, but listen, don't get pressured. Don't get pressured. This is just a good rule for life. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Sydney had broken up with Billy earlier on, do you th- like, I wonder if Tatum would have died? 
I wonder if, how the movie would have played out if Sydney had stayed broken up with Billy or if she'd broken up with him way before that. Like, because we see even their first interaction, he's trying to push her further than she wants to go. I think if Sydney would have broken up with him, they still would have wanted to kill Sid. Well, he still would have wanted to kill Sydney and Stu would have just gone along with it. But I imagine it would have played out differently and Tatum might not be dead. So, yeah, yeah it makes it a valid rule. Good point. But yeah, you don't need to get pressured, especially if you're dealing with trauma and grief. Mm-hmm. And there's no, by the way, no timeline on grief. This bullshit of it, it's been a year, you should be over it by now. Fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah, fuck it. All right. I have our quote, which, as you guys know, we are big fans of Dewey. And so this is coming from him, which is, what did mom tell you when I wear this badge? You treat me like a man of the law. That's good delivery. Thank you. Very good delivery. Yeah. Yep, yep. Community theater. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It cracked me up. It cracks me up every time I hear it. It cracked me up in 96. It cracks me up now. He's so good in that yeah. role. <laughs> All right. And I have our poll. Which is, if you could pick which movie genre to star in, what would it be? To star in or that, like, my life is? I want to say to star in because... Horror. Because right, because what your life is, we're in the darkest timeline kind of right now. So, you know We're, what? we're all in dystopian. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that one. So, that's why I said to star in. Would uh, you choose I, horror? Because you always say that you would be the first to die in a horror movie. Well, if I'm starring in it, I'm not really dead. Okay. Fair. Uh, I I legitimately wanted to be a scream queen for most of my life. Like, I love it. I wanna I wanna be in horror movies. What about you, Donna? Normally, normally my answer would be I would want to be an action hero. I could see you as an action hero. I yeah, think, I think you'd be good at it. Yeah, right at the moment, I'm feeling more like I want to be in one of those Hallmark movies where. The biggest stressor in my life is entering a cupcake competition. But normally, I want but the to be fate of your hero. baking business rides on the cupcake competition. That's right. <laughs> also, and Christmas. Christmas. Um, I have to teach my high-powered boyfriend who just moved here from New York the meaning of Christmas. No, you're the high-powered executive. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm the high-powered. He's lost executive. the meaning of Christmas. Yeah. Right. And you have to refind it. By entering this cupcake competition to you, save your high-powered executive cupcake business. Because you used to <laughs> bake for fun, and now, mm-hmm. and Christmas cupcakes were your thing. This is starting to sound more stressful. I changed my answer back to, <laughs> I want to be an action hero. I want to be Charlize Theron in an action movie. Fuck cupcakes. <sighs> we weren't trying to stress you out with our cupcake plan. <laughs> We were it, was, just- it was getting worse by the second. <laughs> <laughs> I want to solve my problems with a gun. I don't. I don't. I don't. No. I don't want to solve my problems with a gun. No. It's already said. It's out there on the internet. Yeah. Sorry. That's the sound bite. Yep. <laughs> Taken out of context forever. <laughs> Kenzie. So horror would be well and good because I love it. But man, I got to go sci-fi. I got to go. There's so many different ways to go you can do a little bit of the action hero thrown in there with that you get a little bit of creature feature you know like man it's it's well-rounded now side note my luck it will be event horizon sci-fi it won't be star wars <laughs> sci-fi but yeah sci-fi who plays you oh who plays me oh i definitely rosario dawson oh that's right yeah, yeah. We talk- well we didn't talk about that when we were recording we talked about it off mic what about uh, you? Oh, Charlize Theron. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. I don't know. Probably Elijah Wood. It's not a bad one either. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's yes. Yes. I'm a fan of that one. I like that one. I like it. So we've decided to do a new segment. Should we do Happy Place Now? Let's do Happy Place Now and then do our normal closing. You want to go first, Adrian? Sure. So I'm trying to watch a horror movie a day in October. And so far, uh, uh, as of day three, I'm, I'm succeeding. And yesterday I watched a movie called Freaks that came out in 2018. Holy fuck, that was good. 
I was really, really good. And I'm real mad that I didn't know that it existed until recently. So uh, yeah, man, I don't really know if it counts as horror. I found it on the list of horror movies. So you mistelled something about, I love this guy. Who was the guy? Um, okay. So I don't know. I can't really, it was, a. am about to do some spoilers for this movie freaks kind of mildish spoilers. Uh, but if you don't want to hear it, just skip ahead a little bit. Um, one of the characters can sort of like mind control people. And so the guy that I love is this big, huge Steven Seagal looking guard who is being mind controlled by a seven-year-old girl. And he very earnestly turns to <laughs> turns to the mother character and says, I love you, mommy. Come on, mommy. We got to go this way. And <laughs> so there's just a whole lot of moments of this like Steven Seagal looking motherfucker. <laughs> just talking like a set talking and moving like a seven-year-old and it is fucking glorious that's amazing what's your happy place kinsey my happy place it's kind of twofold so this is my first year that i can put up halloween decorations at my house so halloween decorations in my yard and Oh, yeah, we've already got stuff. I'm very excited about it. And we started doing a little bit of stuff on Friday and yesterday, putting stuff out. So that makes me super happy. And the other part is that Discovery Plus knows me, knows my wheelhouse, and it is their Ghosttober stuff. So I watched yesterday, I watched uh, my good buddies, the Ghost Adventure guys, investigate this haunted hotel and then the Zach Bagans Haunted Museum had a story. They have a little show going on right now. So all of that, all of that. And then it was cloudy yesterday. It was just perfect weather to watch that. So yeah, Halloween decorations and Ghosttober on Discovery Plus. That is fantastic. Can I tell you something about the rain yesterday? We, My kid had her first debate tournament yesterday. So we dropped her off at that. And then we're like, we're going to go to the farmer's market and it's going to be great. And we're going to be responsible shoppers and we're going to get fresh fruits and veggies. And it's going to be so good. And it was raining a little bit. And we're like, it's fine. It's not going to start raining less. So we might as well just go to the farmer's market. Also, there was this really good ice cream person that I met at a different event that said that she was going to be at this place. And I was like, fuck yeah, we're going to get some pints of ice cream. Going to be so good. Um, And so we go and it's raining a little bit and it starts raining more and more. And it's like, it's cool. And so we went down one end of the farmer's market and we realized we didn't have money. So we had to go all the way down to another end to get tokens. So we could go back down to this end and buy our fresh garlic and our fucking local honey. And by the time we got back down there to pay this lady, it was pouring. And then we were like, maybe we should go. The ice cream is not here because nobody wants ice cream in the rain. And by the time we got to our car, it was like we had just gone swimming. Oh, we were so very, very wet. And then we had to go home and crossing 11th Street, like trying to get past 11th Street to go home. I was like, this is the Oregon Trail and we have to decide where to ford the river. <laughs> like, one of us is going to die of dysentery on the way home. It was it took us a fucking half hour to go six miles because we just kept having to like go around or drive through lakes and there were fucking manhole covers flying off of the road there was a geyser on utica just spraying water into the sky so uh yeah it was a really nice rain yesterday i enjoyed it quite a bit all right donna what's your happy place right now my my happy place is actually something that happened a few weeks ago um, but a, a friend of mine made an observation about a characteristic I have that I didn't know I had, and that is that I don't tend to give up, that I'm tenacious. And that has, that has given me some strength lately. And so all evidence aside, that is a happy place for me. So that has kind of, I've been kind of clinging to that lately, and that's been good for me. So I appreciate that. I like all of those happy places that we talked about. Those are nice. Well, as always, thank you guys for listening. We do appreciate your support. 
you can find us on social media. We have a Facebook page. We also have a webpage, beyondthecabinintheWoods.com. Our Twitter and our Instagram are at beyondcabin. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Callista77. Uh, you can find me at Dragon Goblin. There's no I in Goblin uh, on Twitter and Instagram. I am Junkyard Poet on Twitter. And as always, thank you to our editor, Billy, for making us sound awesome. We appreciate you. Thank you, Billy. And have a good day, everybody. And don't read the Latin. You know what horror is. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.